Blog Talk Radio. Two weeks in a row. I knew it couldn't go three. I knew our luck would dun, run out. Dun, 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 dun. I'll do the old one. That, dun, 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 I was say, that's dun, not our dun, intro dun, anymore. Dun, dun. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. I knew it was too good to be true. I knew it. I said, there's no Boy. way it's going to work. There we Here go. we go. We'll edit that part out. No, we won't. <laughs> You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump as a part of the Wide Men Radio Network. This hoop show is for all listeners, casual and diehard. We examine all things basketball with points from experts from all over the country and different news sites and sports organizations that cover the NBA. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, Cambay.com, and by Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. This show is a member of the Wide Men Radio Network located at WideMenCan'tJump.com where you can access our blogs, among other things, as well as our store. You can also check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash widemencantjump. Be sure to tune in to all of our different shows on the Wide Men Radio Network. But now to the flagship program. Let's take it away with this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. Yeah. Our boys in Horse Burner bring in the heat. Horse Burner, that's David. Check them out. Look it up. You don't want to miss it. Horse Burner, ladies and gentlemen, check them out. Our new intro song here, Wide Men Can't Jump. Tim, we're back. It's Wide Men Can't Jump. It's episode, my God, can you believe it, 89 of this flagship program, and we are back yet again. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard him earlier. Joining me as always, my wonderful, happy co-host, Tim Dombrova. Hello. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. As you can see, we're live as usual. So we stumble yes, out of the true. gates yet again. Oh, for another for another edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. Nate, how's it going, buddy? Living the dream, my friend. And I'll tell you this much. Uh, I'm going to do something a little unorthodox right now. I want to give a big shout out to my guys over at the In This Ring podcast, Joe Pisapia, Tim Heaney. They had me on their show this week to talk wrestling. Uh, for those of you that may or may not know Joe Pisapia, uh, he's been on the program before. He is an award-winning author of the Fantasy Black Book series. If you don't pick up this guy's fantasy books, you're not going to win your league. He hooked me up today. Um, we talked a little bit. I got a fantasy football black book headed my way. I can't wait. Five-star review for it. It helps me every year with my fantasy drafts. And sometimes I steer away from the advice, and when I do, I lose. So listen to what he has to say. Joe P. Sapia. It's on Amazon. If you're an Amazon person, if you like Kindle, it's available on there. It's an Amazon bestseller, the fantasy football black book by Joe P. Sapia. Go check it out. So free plug for those guys here on the Wide Men Can't Jump podcast. And uh, they could have a fantasy basketball uh, edition coming soon. But more on that later on. I'll tell you what. We got a guy here on the line. We'll go ahead and bring him on. Uh, sorry we couldn't get to you last week, but welcome aboard, Lou. Thanks. 
Sweet Lou. Yeah. Doesn't sound too sorry sweet today. We're sorry we yeah. couldn't get to you last week, Lou, as we were tied up here on the uh, Wide Meat But, but, we do want to welcome you back. What's on your mind? We got a guest coming on here in a few minutes, so we give you a little bit of time. What's up, Lou? What's new with you up there in northern New Jersey? Well, of course, that we had the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame this past week, and um, I think I had to agree that, of course, Rivera, unanimously. But you know what? I understand why Fred McGriff is still not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I think he's well-deserved of being there. Well, because he, he played for the Blue Jays. That's why. But he also played for the Braves. Yeah, but he played for the Blue Jays. Therefore, half of his career nobody ever saw. Oh, come Until on. Pete Rose goes in that Hall of Fame, that's not a Hall of Fame. That's just a suggestion, as far as I'm concerned. No you Pete think Rose he'll ever get in the Hall of Fame? He should. I mean, he bet on baseball. whoop de doo yep. Half the guys in the Hall of Fame were juicing. <laughs> that's true. That's what so, I'm I mean, saying. So it's, it's not the nice. It's it not the nice matter. guy Hall of Fame. It's were you any good at baseball? Yeah, exactly. he was real good. Better than most. Better than all of them. <laughs> actually, the as as the maybe goes, maybe anyway. right. maybe the best hitter of all time. And, yeah, you know, I know so, it's a basketball show, but yes, that dude absolutely deserves to be in the Hall I of Fame. There's no I question. wouldn't have any problem if they you know, they put him in and put on his plaque that. And by the way, he was banned from baseball. For betting? Yeah. Put it on put yeah, it on there if you want to. But it doesn't who cares? It doesn't change the whatever it was, forty one eighty five or forty three eighty five or however many it was, that ridiculous amount of hits he had. I mean yeah, I've never understood that either. I think it's stupid. He's so anyway. good and he, he finally got his dues. He's in the Reds Hall of Fame. Uh, I work for a radio station that yeah. carries the Reds. Um we also oh, want yeah. to bid adieu to uh to Marty Brenneman, who is uh, calling his last season of Braves baseball for the radio. So, uh, Marty, it's been a good run. But um, Well, now that you mentioned about basketball, i got one question about that. You know, we're seeing a lot of uh, players drop out for one reason or another. Is there anything personal that's going on, or is it just, you know, or is it something else? Because I don't think I've really seen this many dropouts for the World, uh, World Cup tournament uh, in recent years than this. It's, Is there something going on that we don't know about? It's six weeks of your summer that for a tournament that the United States of America is going to qualify for regardless to get into the Olympics anyway. It's almost pointless for them, in all honesty. Uh-huh. The, on, the only thing about that tournament is the winner gets an automatic Olympic bid. Okay, well, right. the U.S. is, the US is going to get a – is going to getting in anyway. That makes no difference. So, Even if they don't win. Right. They're going to qualify. They'll qualify the other way. It makes absolutely no difference to them. So why are guys who are making $20 million plus a year going to spend six weeks of their summer busting their ass listening to Greg Popovich complain? You're not the gonna. country. What else? Well, yeah, I don't, uh, yes, I agree. But I understand why they don't. And that's why they don't. And they don't want to uh, get hurt. Okay. Well, I can understand that, but that's that's the risk you take when you're playing. I mean, if you get hurt, you get hurt as part of the oh, game. I, I, I mean, I'm with you. I think if you get asked by your country to play, you go. Yeah. I I agree, but I you're, you're asking why they don't go. That's why they don't. I'm not saying it's valid because I don't think it is. I think it's an think honor it's... to get asked, and you should go. 
I think it is an honor, but I think we're starting to see now you're going to see more and more guys not go as the years progress because the NBA is a grind and a lot of guys are seeing their bodies wear and tear down because of all this nonstop basketball. And, you know, you look at guys like, and some of these guys, they need a rest. I mean, you've got to rest. If you don't rest, then that Olympic ball, where now agree, I'm not in their position. I'm not making millions of dollars to play basketball. And if somebody asked me, you know, if there was, you know, a chicken wing eating contest in the Olympics and they chose me as they rightfully should, if they want to win, then they should definitely get a hold of me and I would go represent the U.S. of A. But yeah, the thing is, you got to remember too that the the window for these guys to make big big bucks is getting exactly. smaller and smaller, and they don't want to risk anything getting hurt. They want to make their money. It's a bit. It's become more and more about the business side of things as the years go by, whether you like it or not. But that's the way it is, and these guys are protecting their brand and whatever else. So yeah, and and let's be honest here. I mean, and I don't mean this in any any negative context. Nobody really pays that much attention to it. Everybody's more concerned yeah, about the Olympics. People care about it for four years. Yeah, it's not the World Cup of Soccer. No, and no. the World Cup of Soccer. They do the World Championships every year. Nobody gives a shit. No, everybody cares about even, the World Cup. Nobody can even it's tell you who wins. Exactly. It's every four years, and and that's when people care. And you'll see guys come out when it's Olympic time and play. Okay, I want to get me a gold medal. And Carmelo Anthony's probably the most decorated Olympic basketball yeah, player of all time. That's there's true. Part, there's part of the argument, though. I think if you don't go for this thing, and the guys who do should be on the Olympic team. You shouldn't – like Steph Curry shouldn't – he said no, which is fine. Then, no, you don't get to play on the Olympic team then, my friend. You get to stay home. Mm. I think a lot of guys are do it as – because it's an experience that's – kind of maybe once, twice in a lifetime, your Olympic window, because it's every four years, is is very narrow. So a lot of them decide to, could to maybe go. maybe look at it as a holiday, depending on where it's being held. You know, yeah, multi, I mean, if you're, whole, you know, if you're, you're a, a, a multi-millionaire, maybe you, pack, maybe you pack up the family and you make a vacation out of the thing or something. I don't know. but Or if you're a swimmer, you go get arrested. You know, but whatever there. That's a different <laughs> story. <laughs> A lot of guys are dropping out, but, um, you know, in the basketball realm of things, a former Olympian, um, Tim Duncan, he's got a new job now. He's now a part of Greg Popovich's coaching staff. What's your thoughts on that, gentlemen? Well, it's it's really one thing that sometimes you can go home again. I mean, he did wonders for the Spurs, you know, uh, winning the championships – now we just see being carried over to the front to the the front office. You know, a good player does not necessarily make you good. You know, at the other end of the spectrum. No, I agree with you. Look at Jordan. I mean, because you know I Jordan's a great you. player, but as the front office, forget it. He sucked. I agree with you, but let me throw this out there. I think Tim Duncan's going to do a great job coaching because Tim Duncan has all the. He's called the big fundamental. He's got okay, those fundamental his, skills. What's his and actual title? I'm not a hundred percent. I would let me let me double check. I, I didn't. He's just exactly. an assistant. But a long title. But at best, he's an assistant coach, correct? 
Basically best. is what I'm seeing okay. uh, for the most part. Let me see here. Tim okay, Duncan he, is an assistant coach. See, he'll do good at that because he can still be, uh, I'm a player. I hear what you're saying. Hey, I'm not the bad guy. I'm not management, man. I'm just an assistant coach. He'll be that go-between yeah. guy where he can play both sides of the table. Now, as a head coach, well, you, you still really, got responsibility. Yes, but you but you can still kind of be you can still kind of be part of the boys group still. But when you're the head and coach, they have you, to can't, listen to that's, you can't pull that off. So that's and, well, they, and they, they really did. I think they did when he played, didn't they? Oh yeah, they did. But I think oh, they're yeah. going to have to listen more so even like more now so because yeah. this guy is if you look at Tim Duncan. Um, on Greg Popovich's staff, if you work for Greg Popovich, people listen because he don't take no he doesn't take shit. No, I would uh, say the, pro- gonna, the, the problem comes in when you're a great player, you do so much instinctually, and you can't coach yes. that. So you you have to That's run that true. line. Be- you have to run that line between okay, I don't understand why you guys aren't getting this. Okay, well it's just because you were a great player. <laughs> nobody mm-hmm. coached you how to do these things. You just knew how to do them. And sometimes it doesn't translate well, depending on the guy. So time will tell. I mean, he's a smart guy. He played forever. He was a great player. I mean, he yeah. has all he has all the, you know, all the things if you if you could pick them. Those were the qualities you'd want. So, you know, time absolutely. will tell. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that, that he'll do a good job, though. I really do. The big fundamental, the he, he's got the footwork. He could, and Lamarcus Aldridge is a very similar player to uh, right. Tim Duncan, so I think he could really help his game. Not that Lamarcus Aldridge needs much help, um, but I think that that's a good pairing there. So we'll see. We'll see again with Tim Duncan. It's uh, yeah. it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip, definitely. Does, uh, I hope he does. Okay, uh, what do you want? Heads or tails? Oh, God damn it, Lou. <laughs> I had but, if you can't, but if you can't make heads or tails out of a legal situation that you're in, you need to call our man, Stephen P. New, one of our great sponsors of the law offices of Stephen P. New. Let's hear from that real quick. And then, Lou, when we come back on the other side, we'll have to uh, hold off on our conversation because our guest will be joining us shortly. We'll be right back right after this. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304 304- 362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New answers to your legal questions. Well, joining us right now, formally of the score and bleacher report, as Tim would refer to him as, he's a Canadian legend, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chris Walder. Chris, thank you for coming back on the show, representing 
the great country of Canada. Do I stand and uh, hold my hand on my heart for this, or you better? Be. <laughs> Can I, can I also put Canadian legend on my resume while I find a new job? Because that might go a long way. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we, we, we saw that, and we were—I I have to admit—it caught me off guard when you said when you it said formerly of, and I went, "What?" It's all good. That—that's uh, life throws you a curveball every now and then. But uh, on to bigger and better things. All right, fair enough. Do you want to go down that road quick? I understand you're talking about uh, firing up your own pod. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, um, that's it's something I'm I'm actively uh, pursuing right now. I'm talking to an audio guy, someone I I knew back in the day when I worked for the Toronto Raptors game ops department, and he reached out to me and said, "Hey, I would love to work with you on a podcast." And now that I have uh, the time to do so, uh, hopefully we can have something up and running by the start of the next season. Awesome. Well, good. All right. We're looking forward to hearing that. Thank you. We are. We're looking forward. We're looking forward to being on it. What are you talking about? Well, uh, yeah, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Two minutes of craziness. But anyway, Raptors. Let's talk Raptors. Yeah, let's let's talk a little Toronto Raptors here. Obviously, the heartbreaking news Toronto fans did not want to hear. Kawhi Leonard has um, unfortunately moved on. From the organization, and I know you were a big proponent on Twitter that Kawhi would stay. And I'll be honest with you, there, I thought he was going to. Uh, it kind of surprised me that he did leave, but I mean, he brought you a title to Toronto, so I, I guess you can't get too mad at the guy. What's your thoughts on Kawhi leaving and uh, this next chapter for the Toronto Raptors as they move forward? Yeah, I tried to speak that into existence on Twitter, and it uh, didn't really get me very far. Uh, obviously, it was like uh, kind of like a hashtag that Raptors Twitter had throughout the season, like you know, hashtag he stay. And we, you know, in the back of our minds, we thought it was almost a foregone conclusion, no matter how successful the Raptors were during the season and into the playoffs, that he was likely going to go. You know, this wasn't the case of someone that the franchise had drafted or, and, you know, like a homegrown guy. This was someone that the team traded from the San Antonio Spurs. He had already expressed that once he became a free agent, he was likely going to either the Clippers or the Lakers. He wanted to be closer to home. But, you know, and, and we always thought that, hey, we, we win a championship. It's going to be extremely difficult to depart because how often do you ever see someone – you know, at the top of their game, you know, coming off a finals MVP, like willingly leave a championship squad, you know, someone who's always said that winning is so high on this priority list. So, yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow to to see him walk. I totally understand why he did so, you know. I mean, the family ties and whatnot and the opportunity to play with someone as, you know, know, an all-star caliber player, like a top ten player like Paul George, they can do a lot of good in Los Angeles, even though they are kind of like, playing second fiddle to the Lakers. I'm just happy he didn't end up with the Lakers because I'm all about, you know, parity throughout the association. I didn't want to see three of the top five guys in the league join forces, and we would have had another Golden State Warriors powerhouse on our hands. But if he was to go anywhere, I'm glad it's the Clippers. You know, they've always kind of been the in the underdog role, some, similar to what the Raptors have done uh, for the last, you know, five, six years. So if he can go to the, the Clippers and win a championship, you know, three championships with three different teams and two of them being the, the Clippers and the Raptors, that would be uh, quite the feather in his cap. 
Yeah, and Kawhi, the news broke today. I don't know, uh, my ESPN uh, updated me that Kawhi had said that he was very close to joining the Lakers um, or the Raptors, but then the Paul George move was able to be to happen, and that was really the deciding factor. So he almost joined the Lakers. Uh, so we're, we're kind of glad that he didn't. At least I, I am, because I'm like you. I want to see a little bit of uh, parity in the league. I want to see teams playing against each other. So and that's just how I'm I'm looking at it. But did his decision come where it, it happened so late? Did it really kind of render the Raptors unable to make a lot of moves? Because most of the, the free agents that could make a huge impact were already signed. Did his leaving and making that decision as late as he did hurt the Raptors for the upcoming season? No, it, it, it honestly didn't because the Raptors were going to be in the, the same situation regardless. They didn't really have a lot of cap space to work with. Uh, and I think, you know, if, if they didn't make the trade for Kawhi Leonard originally, this was almost kind of going to be a rebuilding year in a sense. We have a lot of expiring contracts. And, you know, considering how deep we went winning a championship, I think they kind of wanted to hold on to as much of the roster as possible. You know, losing Leonard is obviously a big blow, but we also lost Danny Green, who was a starter, a, a key three and D guy. So I think now it's just, hey, we we have all, we still have all these like big pieces in place. We have you know the expirings of Marcus Saul, uh, Fred Van Veek, Fleet, Kawhi Leonard, and Serge Ibaka. Let's see how this season starts, and then maybe around February when the trade deadline he hits, and we're not where we want to be maybe we could start sending away some of these contracts and, and just go ahead with a full-blown rebuild. So I, it, it didn't hurt the Raptors. I mean, the, the pieces that they ended up with were the caliber of player that they could have only hoped for anyway. Tim, questions for your fellow Canadian on the Toronto yeah, Raptors. I got, I, got, I got two kind of things. One, um, I'm sort of like you. You want DeRozan back or you want that title? That's one way of looking at the whole Kawhi thing. Uh, B, screw you, Uncle Dennis. (laughs) Screw you, Uncle Dennis. Not an Uncle Dennis fan, eh? Well, it seems to me, I keep reading that Uncle Dennis is going to, he's not careful. Um, He's going to have to go get himself an an agent's license or be accused of smart tampering by the sounds of things. Yeah. Do you put any credence in that story or do you think it's just BS? I think the tampering is overblown. You know, all these reports you hear about the NBA really going hard with their investigations and whatnot. Like, at the end of the day, players are going to talk. You can't keep them from talking. Uh, The Uncle Dennis stuff, I I figure, is overblown. He's always kind of had a major influence over Kawhi Leonard. And maybe he did push him more so towards, like, leaving Toronto. But, yeah, I'm not – I'm taking all of this tampering talk with a grain of salt. Well, I kind of figured if if you're going to accuse a – I'm a tampering. That means you have to accuse accuse an owner of giving up whatever it was that they wanted, right? Yeah, 80% of the league is tampering. I can guarantee you that. But no one's going to get caught for anything. They, there's no hard evidence, and it is what it is. It's just the way business is run in the league. No, I figure – I think we actually talked about it, and it might even have been with you, that when they signed him, they always knew there was going to be a chance he was going to walk. And he is yeah. admittedly kind of a, he's a different sort of dude. Um, the things that seem to matter to most guys, maybe they matter to him, but you would never know it because he doesn't really project the same kind of things. Most of the 
most of the players do. I'll take the title. Um, as you said, we, they can rebuild, and it might take them a while, and it might take them a long time before they see another one. But at least they got one. Yeah, you you make that trade 100 out of 100 times. I mean, DeRozan isn't necessarily someone I think the organization wanted to pay big money on a long-term basis anyway. So they moved their most valuable asset. They got a top-five player, you know, regardless of the fact that he, like, you know, Kawhi was coming off a, a nine-game season with that injury, his quad injury. But you rolled the dice. It paid off in a big way, you know. I mean, how often we were so accustomed to, like, the Golden State Warriors and LeBron's Cavaliers when he was with the team kind of competing for the championship every year. And now the Raptors are going to raise a banner on opening night commemorating a, a 2019 NBA title. And that wouldn't have happened unless they did that deal. When you think, what, what would the Toronto Maple Leafs give up to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, everything in the kitchen uh, sink. Exactly. So that's what I'm paralleling it to. And that, that franchise has suffered way longer than the – the Raptors ever dream, ever dreamed of suffering. So, I'll tell oh, yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, yeah, hey, I'm right there with you, but I, I feel your pain. But uh, that's, I'm just equating it to that. I mean, what, as a Leafs fan, I would, if they had to trade the whole roster, but they told me they were going to win the cup, I'm all for it. Trade them. So, I'm not sure why the fans are so, there seems to be a lot of PO'd fans, and I'm not really sure why. I think the goal of every team every single season is to win a championship. And this was Toronto's golden opportunity to say, Hey, with the roster that we currently have, we're a middle of the road team. We've kind of established that, you know, even I don't care that LeBron James is in the Western conference. We've been a second round at best, a conference finals contender. We've never been to the finals before. This is our opportunity to land a player that wouldn't come here on his own merit. I mean, we're, let's not kid anyone here. A, a Kawhi Leonard, a LeBron, a Kevin Durant, they're not coming to Toronto willingly. So you either have to draft someone and hope that they evolve into a player like that, or you have to trade for them. And that's what they did, and they're NBA champions because of it. I like it. I think the reason, I think the reason a lot of fans were kind of – uh, angry, even though they won the title and Kawhi decided to leave. I think they were angry because, I mean, let's be honest here. Once Toronto won the title, most of the league was ready for free agency. Most of the fans of the league, because free agency was not long after the title was won. It's, there was really no real breath taken. It was like champions, draft, free agency. Boom. All hit right in a row. And did I don't know if Toronto really got a chance to celebrate. I mean, the city did, but a lot of us as fans, we were just kind of like, okay, they won the title. What's next? We moved on. I mean, it, it's in this day and age. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But uh, let's look at some of the key additions the Raptors did make. They did, as you said, lose Leonard and Green. Matt Thomas comes in, and they did sign Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who I think was a nice piece. Uh, maybe not enough to replace what they lost, clearly, but um, the Raptors are still going to be a viable playoff team next year. I think they can still do well, and let's be honest here, the East is nowhere near as strong as it was, so I think the Raptors could still do well uh, this upcoming season. What's your thoughts on looking at the Raptors and their offseason additions and what they can do in the Eastern Conference this season coming up? Well, they're not a, a championship contender anymore, obviously. Um, you know, having Larry, Ibaka, Gasol, you know, big playoff pieces obviously still around helps their cause. 
I think the East is kind of like leveled into tiers. You know, you have the Bucks and the Sixers at the top. I don't think anyone's going to be surpassing them. Maybe someone will finish with a better regular season record, but if all push comes to shove, it's going to be those two in the conference finals. And then you have the Raptors kind of mixed in with the Nets. You know, even though they don't have Kevin Durant, I think Kyrie Irving and those young parts are going to do a lot of good in the East. And then the Pacers, especially once Oladipo comes back, and the Boston Celtics, despite losing, uh, you know, uh, Kyrie Irving and, and Al Horford, you know, getting Kemba Walker and a guy like Enos Cantor, who can't defend, but he's a, a good hand around the rim. I mean, they're still going to be uh, vying for home court advantage as well. So I think the Raptors' best shot at this point uh, is to kind of, you know, kind of get their way through the regular season and maybe even win a, a round or, and two would be the best-case scenario. Uh, you're obviously not replacing a Leonard or a Green with a piece like Rondé Hollis Jefferson or a Stanley Johnson. I mean, they're good young guys can defend, can't necessarily shoot very well, but you put them on the wing and uh, put them on the op- opposition's best player. Uh, you know, and I think the reason they came to Toronto was because of our player development. You see, like, the, the Pascal Siakams and the Van Vliet's, what they've done in the, with the Raptors 905 down in the G League and how far they've come. Maybe they look at this situation and they're like, hey, maybe I can kind of rebound here in Toronto. Maybe I can revitalize my own career and, and see what comes of that. They're on short-term deals. Uh, so, so that's good for the team as well with their cap flexibility. But, again, I, I, I think it, it, it's a tough pill to swallow for Toronto because, you know, you, you, you come off a championship and then obviously you want to kind of bring it all back and, and go for a repeat. But that's not the case at this point. I think this season is going to be uh, in terms of just kind of evaluating what you have, trying to move some of those expiring contracts, building the roster around Pascal Siakam. Uh, I'm not going to put too much hype into – just one season, you know, a most improved player win. That's almost kind of like the, the Bobby Simmons syndrome where you're like, oh, he, he had that one great year, and then he kind of just fell off after that point. I don't think that's going to happen with Siakam. I think he's a valuable or a viable number one option moving forward, but let's not get, you know, carried away as well. Let's just kind of use this season as, as what it is, a season to enjoy the fact that they're the reigning NBA champions until further notice and uh, see who's going to be around for the long term. What about the rumor? Now, again, let's just say you don't know if this is 100% true or not. So, again, this is all rumor speculation. But the rumor is the Raptors could have kept Kawhi had they traded for Paul George. But um, from what was said, Pascal Siakam needed to be involved in that deal. And apparently the Raptors were unwilling to do so. If that is true, you, do you like letting Kawhi walk to keep Pascal Siakam, or would you have went ahead and, you know, we've got this roster, go ahead, trade Siakam, let's keep winning now, and then when this is this run is over, we have to blow it up? What what would you have done in that situation? Well, that's that's the thing. I don't think that was ever, like, seriously on the table. I think that was just kind of, like, it being dangled in front of us as leverage for, for the Clippers. Like, hey, if, if you don't make this move for Paul George, the Raptors are going to do so. I don't see Masai Ujiri kind of mortgaging the next five to ten years for a shot at, you know, you know keeping Kawhi Leonard when it, it seemed very apparent that he was going to be out the door regardless. It's kind of cool in, like, retrospect to look and see, like, hey, what would this Raptors have looked like with, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, and, and Russell Westbrook as your big three. But, like, 
that that was never going to happen. I think you know, and and if it was like le- legitimately on the table, I think Masai made the right move. I think Pascal Siakam is one of those guys that you know you, you can you sign to a long term deal. He's still on his rookie contract. You keep all of your draft picks. You keep a uh, you know a Fred Van Vliet, who I also believe was rumored to be in that deal. So if the last few years has taught me anything, it's that it's to trust in Masai Ujiri. He's more often than not he's making the right moves and. If he uh, turned down an offer like that, he had a good enough reason to do so. Tim, any more questions for the Canadian legend, Chris Walder? I really love that Canadian legend thing. I think I got to copyright that or something. Yeah, me too, man. It's uh, going can, on the resume as soon as I can, you, I can you know. You, you point them in our direction if they want to know who gave you the tag. It's It's okay. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Raptors. Um, what are we looking at? Maybe a sixth or seventh spot this year. That be, uh, I think yeah, the best case much? scenario. Nah, I think the best case. I think they're a playoff team, uh, no matter what, because I think the bottom, you know, half of the East is is that bad. And I'm not saying the Raptors are even at risk of falling that far. I think the best case scenario is they finish with the third seed, and they somehow sneak into the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the worst case is 7-8, and they're bounced in the first round. I would agree with that. I think a lot is going to rest on, on whether Siakam's development continues on the upward trend. Yeah, and that's also assuming that all of these guys are still around. Like, again, if this is kind of – if they're falling apart at the seams by February and they, like, they just move Ibaka, Gasol, and Lowry, then they're not making the playoffs – but again, I have faith that they're at least going to be a competitive bunch, and you know, it, it's kind of understated. Like when Kawhi didn't play last year, the Raptors had an ext- like an awesome record, and uh, again, you're kind of like pushing that across a full 82 game slate. But I have faith that the Raptors are still going to be like an upper echelon team in the East, and uh, could really make some noise. Yeah, and the Raptors did have a really solid record without Kawhi. I'm glad you brought that up. That's kind of well, something that that nobody talks about. They actually win. Uh, thir- they went 13 and three without Kawhi Leonard in the lineup uh, last season, and two of those wins were against the Warriors and the Pacers. So not uh, not bad. Look at something people in LA that haven't really or, or haven't seen really anybody address it either is that they got two really good players, but they also got two guys that require a lot of maintenance and could easily both have injury problems. And you know, I mean, you don't really know how that might turn out there either. And it looks good on paper, but I know, I know Kawhi Leonard said during his presser today, or at least he alluded to the fact that he wants to play as much of the season as possible being on a new team, a team that he's like at least locked in with for, for two years. Uh, I seriously doubt uh, that they're not going to go the load management route with him because you you just saw it play out in Toronto how successful that was. But at the same time, that's that was in the Eastern Conference, and you can kind of get away with it. There's going to be like 10 to 12 teams in the Western Conference that think they, they can make the playoffs. So if you have Kawhi Leonard sitting like 20 games of the season and Paul George, who has a history with injuries, if he's missing time, I love the Clippers' depth, but they could find themselves like – I'm not going to say they're on the on the outside looking in, but playoff seeding is going to be of the utmost importance this this year, and I don't think the Clippers will kind of want to put themselves in a precarious position 
uh, heading into the first round and beyond because they have legitimate championship aspirations, as they should with two of the best two-way players in the entire league. But so it's, I'm, I'm curious to see how they kind of go that way, that route with Kawhi, how many games they willingly sit him, and uh, if he does play, how healthy he remains. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch, um, especially with Kawhi. But, you know, the Raptors are still going to be an interesting team. Uh, the first the first defending champions ever out of outside of the United States. So, And I know you're happy about that. You can't take that away from the Raptors ever. They are world champions. Nobody can take that from them. They beat the Warriors. People may, can make excuses all they want about, well, if this person would have played. It doesn't matter. The Toronto Raptors are NBA champions, and you can't take that away from Toronto, from Canada, from anyone. So uh, congratulations to the Raptors, as far as I'm concerned. I was happy to see somebody different win. So that was cool for me. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 always, I always get grief on social media from people making fun of the fact that he, he left. And I'm like, guys, the Raptors are NBA champions. Wikipedia is always going to say that the Toronto Raptors won an NBA championship <laughs> in 2019. And when that banner goes up on opening night, it's good. we're going to relive like how amazing this past season was from the Kawhi Leonard shot against Philadelphia to beating the Bucks oh. down 2-0 to beating the Golden State Warriors. I know Clay was hurt. I know Kevin Durant was hurt, but Toronto is an NBA champion, and that's something that I didn't think would happen in my lifetime. Yeah, and it, did, it didn't I mean, happen when I was five, and it didn't happen when I was 75. I actually saw it and you know, could participate in it. There you it's go. It's a big deal. Cubs fans waited 108 years to get another title, so Raptors fans, hopefully it doesn't take as long for you to get another one. But, Chris, thank you so much for coming on here and talking with us about the Raptors and, and kind of giving us a preview of what – to expect um since you don't really have much to plug right now but you can plug your twitter and your upcoming podcast <laughs> hopefully and uh, let everyone know where they can keep up uh, with you uh yeah just follow me on twitter uh at walder sports for all of my uh hot summer nba takes and professional wrestling takes as well it's going to be a boring oh God, couple of months one. you guys another i don't know what i'm going to be tweeting fan. about well, we'll uh, yes we'll we'll have you on the re- you want to come on the wrestling show sometime Oh, yeah, I'd love to come on. I'm a huge wrestling nut. Oh, well. Oh, here well, well, yeah, I think we just we set something up here, gentlemen. <laughs> yes, we, yes, we can. We'll talk to you about that later. Well, since, awesome. since you're Sounds on good. here, I'll get, I'll get in touch with you. Uh, since you're on here, I will go ahead and plug our Patreon show. Uh, you may be interested. We do interviews with different people from the world of entertainment, a lot of wrestlers. We interviewed uh, referee Jack Doan, former referee for WWE. We interviewed... Um, Jimmy Jacobs, former creative team member for WWE, um, on our Patreon page. Interviews with Necro Butcher coming soon. Interviews with uh, Bobby Blaze and Dan the Beast Severin. We got to sit down and talk to those two guys. That was cool. And uh, Wolfie D, former PG-13 member and one of the rappers in the Nation of Domination. So lots of cool stuff on the Patreon page. But, yeah, we, we're huge wrestling fans over here at Wide Men Can't Jump. And there's a huge connection between wrestling and basketball because um, we're finding a out. Lot. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous how many people that love basketball also love pro wrestling. It's it's insane. Well, I'm hoping to go down to uh, SummerSlam in a couple of weeks. I'm definitely going to the NXT TakeOver show. 
Uh, you gotta so speak, yeah, whenever you, you guys want to have me on and you want to talk some wrestling, I'm I'm also very into like the Japanese wrestling as well. I'm watching the G1 Climax uh, for New Japan, and that's some of the best matches I've seen all year. So yeah, whenever you guys will have me, we'll do yet. it up. We'll talk some wrestling. Yeah, I haven't got to watch the G1 Climax this year as of yet, but uh, it's it's a busy life being a dad. So, but um, you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have you on talk some wrestling. We love wrestling, so that's great, great stuff. So. Thanks again, Chris, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. We'll talk wrestling. We'll talk more basketball. Can't wait. Go, Sounds good, gentlemen. Take care. Go do you some too. legend stuff. Have a good night. And that was Chris Walder, formerly of Bleacher Report and The Score. Another wrestling fan, Tim. I'm telling you, it's unreal how many wrestling fans there are out there. I don't know. I'm trying to find the connection between basketball and pro wrestling, but it's evading Dennis me. Rodman. Dennis Rodman. That That's the connection. <laughs> Dennis ah. Rodman and Carl Malone. That's my I'm connection. Not sure how old, I'm not sure how old Chris is, but he's probably, I'm going to guess, I hope I'm not too far off and maybe in his 30s, he probably wasn't old enough to remember when that happened. I remember it. It was 1997. I was seven years old. Okay, but that's that's 22 years ago. We might not have cared when he was eight. That's all I'm saying. I did. I cared deeply. Yeah, but you, I was like, yeah, why you is Dennis Rodman on you WCW? Were you were a gigantic nerd, however. That's a totally different. And then Carl Malone came the next year. I remember these things. Yes, I saw both of them. Yeah. I have the pay-per-view. I, I taped the Bad pay-per-views boy. on my VHS. Bad boy Dennis Rodman. I remember it well. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. But if you want more good stuff, check out our friends over at Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. They have some of the best stuff out there. They're pu- they're putting up right now on Facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC uh, m- new movie posters for sale. And they have a lot of vintage movie posters. I'm not talking about just like oh the Hangover, this or that. Which nothing wrong with Hangover. Um, here's a vintage poster for ten dollars. Uh, it's a single sided. And folded as issued. Does not include the frame. It is $10. Mel Brooks' silent movie movie poster. So that's a good one. Uh, here's one for Holy Moses, $15. Another Mel Brooks movie. Um, and this one, Tim, you'll love this one. The Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds classic, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. Also here, the Richard, Plot, Richard Pryor movie, The Toy. Uh, with Jackie Gleason. So all these movie posters are available. Most are $10, but the uh, Holy Moses is 15 So go check them out. Facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. Let's hear a little more about them right now. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, 
Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Again, thanks to our sponsors, the Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. All right, Tim, we got more headed your way NBA-wise, including two more guests here tonight. We are eastbound and down. It's all Eastern Conference tonight that we're going through. Going on and trucking. We're going to do what they say can't be done. Um, glorious news today. This was one of the, the greatest Bobby, pieces of news that came across Bobby, my cross. <laughs> if only I had the glorious theme song queued up. Damn you for that. Glorious. <laughs> I was there. And I will give in. I will give in until yeah, I'm I, I had to use it. I mean, it's not often you hear the statement glorious news. But the... Beautiful. Yes. It, it was like glorious. Southern Baptist revival, but anyway. What well, was your you glorious, know, been, what been, was been your glorious news, my, sir? Been there, done that, my friend. Uh, TNT made it be known today they will no longer be doing players only NBA broadcasts. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. No more players only. Let me tell you, if you never sat down on a Tuesday night, I don't, or maybe it was, it might have been, uh, I don't remember the night. It was so bad I couldn't watch it. They took the commentators, you know, the guys that go to school and learn and really practice this. And, and I do high school games, so I'm nowhere near the level of professional these guys are. But I know it takes some talent. Not just anybody can sit down and do it. They They took players, former players, and they had, and they were doing your commentaries, your sideline interviews, all that. And they called it players only. It was the drizzling shits. It was so bad. These guys were just sitting there telling stories, and they weren't they they weren't even watching the game. It's like something would happen, and they would just sit there and laugh about something else going on completely. They weren't talking about the game. They weren't talking about anything, and it's like, that's cool, but I don't want to hear it while I'm trying to watch my basketball game, and it was so bad. Nobody stood out. Everything, everybody mumbled. Nobody was really good at it. Uh, it, it was just atrocious, um, and Twitter reflected the, how happy they were today whenever um, it was announced. Many people on Twitter, let's, let's, let me just go to Twitter here, and we'll see some of the reactions to players only being canceled. Uh, Laker Film Room says, oh, thank God. A lot of people are saying prayers do get answered. Um, <laughs> That's let's funny. see here. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. What a shame. Said no one. Thank God. Let's go. Uh, let's go. No more players only. Rarely has a tweet made me this happy. Uh, God is good. So... Can you also promise to no longer air Chris Webber? Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Another thing Isaiah Thomas helped destroy. So, as you can see, players only did not go over well. <laughs> so, well, it was I thought a when you said it was glorious news from TNT. I thought you were going to fire out the AEW announcement, but I guess that's I don't not care really that <laughs> No, Trust no, me, no I, don't, I don't either. 
I just thought the glorious thing that was the, the reason you said no, that. No, no, I was just really, really happy whenever that news came out that yeah, we no more. I'm, pl- I'm not, I'm not blessed with that up here, so I, I, I don't feel your pain. You're lucky. So, if you and you couldn't watch, even they even did it on the. If I'm not mistaken, I think they did it on. Um, no, maybe they didn't do it on League Pass. But if it was a night where they were only airing games on like TNT, you were screwed because you had to watch the players only game, and it sucked. It was a horrible broadcast. Um, again, I can't thank TNT enough for canceling that. So thank God for that. All right, more more news coming out. Uh, Pau Gasol, uh, he was with the Milwaukee Bucks during the uh, last part of the season. He has reached a deal, a one-year agreement with the Portland Trailblazers. So Pau Gasol is going to go up there, and basically I think you're going to see him get some bench minutes um, as he winds down his career, and the Trailblazers get a guy who can mentor uh, Yusuf Nurkic. So Gasol heading out back to the West and heading to Portland. Thoughts on that, Tim? Yay for Casal. <laughs> uh, it was announced that the Washington Wizards GM, Tommy Shepard, is let it be known that at the very first moment they are allowed, they are offering Bradley Bill a three-year, $111 million extension to stay with the Wizards. So all Why? the... Why? They are... At, that's I, why I can't for that. I'm asking why. I don't know. That was they just what he owner. said. They've got an owner with so much money that he just likes to throw it at the wall. <laughs> John Wall. Well, speaking of John Wall, there's rumors he may not even play this season. Apparently, his Achilles injury is that bad. Um, so who knows? That franchise this, is. This, just does, this, does this frighten you? Uh, who, who was the other? Which which is the other guy with the Achilles injury? Grant. Grant? Yeah. yeah. Does this does this frighten you, fans of uh, the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, it may, and that could be something that we talk with our guy Brian Fonseca about, as he'll be joining us on the show next week to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we were going to have him on this week. He's going to be on next week. Oh God, Jesus. <laughs> Oh, man, we get great. Dummy. Dummy. Yeah. Yeah. Had it with you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I haven't. I know. ESPN broke the news that Kyle Korver has agreed and will become a free agent or has signed as a free agent with the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks have added Kyle Korver to their squad. Obviously, he's just going to be the three-point shooter marksman that he is. So Korver's got a one-year deal to go to the Bucks. And, and he, he promises, makes him that much more dangerous. And he promises to never have a middle name that starts with K. <laughs> These jokes, man, they're coming hard this evening. <sighs> it rained all day here, man. It was depressing. I, I, I got I I to I I I have some feel-good moments. Uh, the Toronto Raptors all-star guard Kyle Lowry had a procedure to repair a tendon in his left thumb, uh, but he should be ready for USA training camp and World Cup basketball. So Too much just a poutine. minor. <laughs> I tell you what, man, poutine. For those of you that don't know, poutine looks incredible. I've never had it. Well, you got, can you describe? There's another, can you just, there's another name for poutine. it in the United. Well, United States, you have it somewhere. There's another name for it down there. They don't call it poutine. Can we, 
Yeah. Um, oh, hmm. man. Yeah, look up poutine and you'll find out. It has another name. Uh, uh, but it's basically, it's french fries with uh, gravy and melted cheese curds when it's done properly. Not cheese, cheese curds. All heated up nice yeah. and hot into a sloppy mess of goodness, which will basically give you a three heart attack. But man, your taste buds will be happy. Oh, absolutely. Um, I can't remember what it was. I saw it because they, they apparently we they do have it in some spots here yeah, in the it, U.S. It, it is in some states. Uh, yeah, it's, it's in major it's big, cities. It's a big thing up in in Quebec, up in Canada, though. Huge French French uh, thing. Let's see here. I'm looking to see what 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 we call it here in the U.S. Uh, I know disco because I, fries. There, yeah, something. There was a guy who who a few guys who played football up here, and they didn't know what it was until they ordered it and then realized, okay, that's something that they have wherever they were from in the states. Apparently, restaurants in New York and New Jersey propose their own mix of fries, gravy, and cheese, and they call it disco fries. So that could be what uh, what it refers to. But yeah, poutine. You've never had poutine, ladies and gentlemen. I've never had it, and I want to try it. So I'm looking looking forward to that that glorious day. Glorious. You know what they call uh, it in Russia? What? And I and I'm not. This is not a joke either. Although it sounds like one. Rasputin. Okay. They do, no, that, I'm not making that up. In Russia, it is called Rasputin. <laughs> Rasputin. But let me tell you, you know what we should only, call it? Only them Russians. We should what call we it call an Ed Bogus appetizer, poutine, because that's right up his alley. Oh, so. he, Ed Bogus would look at that and go, that's a pretty small dish that comes in. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> well, that's what all the talk is about. If you don't follow Ed Bogus on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, you're missing out on some of the greatest food that you'll ever see in your life. That guy how should be not, on. Uh, yeah, how he doesn't he have a, a show on food. Line, but yet he, how he doesn't have everybody. He should have a show <laughs> on the Food Network. He should be he like must, that. He just, must have a workout regiment. He must have a workout regiment equal right, Michael Phelps. Because he reminds me of that but, guy. <laughs> They used to have the show where he just traveled from town to town, basically eating burgers or whatever their local specialty was. Uh, except he had to stop doing it because he got so fat that. Inverse you know, food. Gonna, yeah, he was going to have a heart attack. But like, but Ed looks like he's in awful good shape. So. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna you know whatever he's doing is working. But uh, that man, uh, I mean, I called him. What did I call him the other day? The. <laughs> uh, he was laughing because I tweeted at him that I don't know how you get away with that. I I eat an apple and drink a glass of water and I gain two pounds. You know it's unbelievable, and yet he's the uh, the bishop of the uh, of the buffet and all that. I give him a whole, whole pile of names because he just doesn't seem to ever stop. God love him. Uh, here's but an anyway. update that people may want to what may be interested in. Uh, J.R. Smith clear is looking to clear waivers, but the Los Angeles Lakers are not showing interest that, that they want J.R. Smith to join LeBron and Anthony Davis in L.A. So, so you're thinking Lakers, that... Uh, didn't shoot J.R. then, eh? Oh, my God. This is some of the worst. 
<laughs> they're they're not, terrible. No, they're not terrible if you get them, sir. If you get <laughs> oh, them, I got funny. it. Oh, yeah, I got it. Then, then they're you funny, then, if you got them. Is. Who the hell watched Dallas lately? Good Lord. Well, LeBron Hagman. <laughs> free agent, <laughs> free agent Chicken DeLeo has agreed to a two-year deal with the Phoenix Suns. In three seasons with the Pelicans, he averaged 5.5 points per game, 4.6 rebounds. So and the I Suns had I, another player. I uh, think I morphed we'll probably, over into the into the round table somehow and forgot what you I don't know what's up with you, but yes, we've got some great stuff headed your way next week as well. We'll be talking to one of our Phoenix Suns representatives, I do believe, and we also have uh, some guys on from uh, representing the Nets, Brian Fonseca. Play so we're going to have a good time. Play a commercial. We're going to have to play a commercial because Tim is losing. And we'll be right back right after this. Are you sick of the boring, same old campsites with the same old girls and the same boring content? Well, now's your chance to jump over to a brand new website called cambay.com. C-A-M-B-A-E.com. When you're on Cambay, whatever you want and whatever you desire is right at your fingertips. Be sure to join right now and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on Cambay.com. Use those credits to go towards whatever your fantasy is and make sure that you know Cambay.com wants to make you as happy as you can be. Be sure to join right now. Again, it's Cambay.com, C-A-M. BAE.com and unlike college, it's not going to take you guys 20 free credits to finish. So join CamBay.com right now. Use promo code WIDEMAN and get your free credits. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back as Tim lost it for LeBron <laughs> Hagman there, if you, you didn't notice. But I'm back are, at you, from are you okay, Robin. Tim? <laughs> Apparently, uh, my impression of my impression of Bobby Gilson crack him up too. So, Rom Tobinson is back in the building. There's nothing but business. But ladies now. and gentlemen, once again, I want to bring up our our final sponsor for the night, uh, Stay Classy Meats. Those guys have done a great job, uh, and they have sweetened the pot. In case you didn't know this, if you order at StayClassyMeats.com and use your promo code WIDEMEN, you not only do you save ten percent on your order. That's just that's the first part. But now they're throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef with your order. You get 10% off and a free pound of ground beef with your order. So head on over wide it's promo code wideman go to stayclassymeats.com in a promo code wideman save 10% and get a free pound of beef. It's Stay Classy Meats, the best meat it's clean it's tasty you can't beat their meat folks i'm telling you check it out stayclassymeats.com fantastic product and uh they uh are, are generous sponsors of ours and we love working with them and they have hooked me up with some great stuff so you, thanks again uh, to the guys at stay classy meats can you do superintendent chalmers from the simpsons I don't think so. Because <laughs> no, cause it would have been a great time to yell out, Bogus! <laughs> I'm looking but at yes. you, Bogus! 
We do want to thank all of our sponsors. Again, Stay Classy Meats, uh, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. And they let me know they were at SCON here in Logan, West Virginia this past week. They had a great turnout there, apparently. Did some great stuff there. A lot of Funko Pops sold, so way to go for Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Cambay.com, and of course, new law offices at newlawoffice.com. We thank all of our wonderful, wonderful sponsors here on the program. All right, Tim, we've talked a lot here on the show this week. We have. about, About a lot of guys. We've talked a lot about different teams, and we're going to be talking to a guest here. He's supposed to be joining us here at any minute. Um, we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, while we're talking and about the that's Hawks, a, I got a question about the Hawks. Serious one. Go ahead. Go ahead. How do you what? How do you pronounce this guy's name? Is it Crab with a silent E on Alan, the end? Alan Crab. Yes. Okay. One of the one of their pickups and. I wasn't quite sure how to pronounce his last name because the other yes, ones are uh, so sim- the other ones are so simple. Yeah, and also let's talk about uh, if anybody watched the Clippers today. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard were introduced. Yeah, Paul blah, George blah, looking blah. very well. Paul George looking very businesslike, uh, and Kawhi Leonard had on maybe the ugliest shirt I've ever seen in the history of anything, um, and just for that. Kawhi Leonard, that shirt, man. You know what it was? That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? Just a little impromptu. That was as I'm getting sued uh, shirt. (laughs) That was something. I don't know what in the hell was going on with that shirt. It was continues his battle with Nike. It must be, but goodness gracious. Why did they even even want that logo? Why don't they just let him have it? It's ugly. Like I, I have no idea. I have no I guess idea. Must, I don't know what the dynamics of that lawsuit are, but apparently that was one of the things that was had been um, rumored that uh, the Clippers had offered or tried to negotiate the, the purchase of that uh, logo from uh, Nike, but couldn't swing it. I don't know if that's Maybe. true, but that was that was the rumor running around. But anyways, could be. But anyway, now we are joined by our guest, and I'm going to let him introduce himself for the last name so I don't butcher it. From the Atlanta Hawks, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, how do you pronounce your last Chenard. name? I don't want to butcher. What was it? Chenard. 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 All right. I didn't want to butcher it and insult you. So thank you, Kevin Chenard, for joining us here on Wide Men Can't Jump. We're going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Now, you work for the Hawks organization for their website, correct? Yeah, I'm a contractor for them. Awesome. Kind of like a freelancer. Yeah, well, this is the guy, ladies and gentlemen, to talk to when it comes to Atlanta Hawks, so let's get to it. Uh, The Hawks um, missed the playoffs last year. That was really nobody's surprise. Uh, But, man, they had some great young pieces. Trey Young turned into a great player. And this offseason, they have been busy. Uh, They lose Miles Plumlee, Kent Bazemore, Terry and Prince, and Omari Spellman. But they bring in Chandler Parsons, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb. They sign Jabari Parker and bring in Damian Jones. Now, if that's not a lot of moves right there, they also draft DeAndre Hunter. They get Cam Reddish and Bruno Fernando in the draft. So, I'm going to bring this to you, Mr. Chenard. What was 
the biggest off-season move for the Hawks. Now, you can include the whether it be Hunter, Reddish, or was it any of these free agents that they brought in? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I guess just on the face of it, you kind of knew based on the outcome of last season that there was a, a top draft pick coming. And I guess in a sense, you know, even after all the trades and machinations, that, that was DeAndre Hunter. Uh, I think in a sense, the biggest thing is that they kind of double bonus and, and ended up with Cam Reddish too. Uh, getting a second top 10 pick was pretty big. So I, I think that's kind of the biggest move, not because it's necessarily a bigger deal than, the, than the drafting DeAndre Hunter, but just the fact that in the end that they ended up with two top 10 picks, uh, that turned out to be pretty big for them. Yeah, and, and I like DeAndre Hunter. I thought that was a solid move for them to get him. Uh, he fits in nicely with what they're doing. And then they, like you said, double bonus. I think it's almost a double down with Cam Reddish because those are two guys who Reddish is a little bigger, probably maybe more upside, but Hunter is the, maybe the more complete player in terms of rookies coming in. But you look at this, they went really forward heavy here um, with the off season. Chandler Parsons, they bring him in, Evan Turner and Alan Crabb all coming to Atlanta. Some of these, and they, they got rid of Kent Bazemore, who we had assumed was a part of the future plans there, but they, they moved on. Um, all the small forwards coming in, is there, um, is there going to be more of these guys being used more so as teaching, maybe teachers for Hunter, Hunter Reddish, so some of those young guys, or are the Hawks thinking that this year they're ready to compete and get to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference? I don't know if they're necessarily ready to compete and, and get further in the Eastern Conference. You mentioned that they were forward heavy, and I think that's right. I mean, you sort of look at the roster, and you've got Trey Young. He's your point guard. <laughs> there really aren't a whole lot of other point guards on the roster. Right now it's Trey Young. Uh, they have a two-way player in Brandon Goodwin that they signed yesterday, and those are kind of your two point guard players. And even Brandon Goodwin, I mean, he's kind of more of a combo guard. Uh, so Trey Young is really your point guard, and then you have a bunch of guys who are sort of combination two, three players, guys like uh, DeAndre Bembry, Alan Crabb, uh, you know. And so there really aren't that many guards, and in, in you have Kevin Herter as your starting two guard, presumably, but. Just they really have a forward-heavy roster, and I think part of that is a develop, developmental thing that they want to, with some of their younger guys, get the ball in their hands. Last year, you know, they said that you know one of the reasons they didn't carry as many point guards, they didn't really ever find a replacement for Jeremy Lin, is that they wanted Kevin Herter to get time with the ball in his hands. He he played more uh, with the bench units, you know, sort of taking over for Trey Young when Trey Young would go to the bench a little bit. I think, I mean, I've, I've even heard Lloyd Pierce say it. He said he wants to do that with Cam Reddish. So, I mean, I think you know, the, the lack of a second point guard on the roster is going to be a developmental thing with some of these uh, forward types, not, not necessarily uh, DeAndre Hunter, but Cam Reddish and more with Kevin Herter, just giving them more minutes with the ball in their hands. You'll, you'll see some other guys get the ball in their hands too. On the bench, it's going to be kind of weird. Uh, Evan Turner, you know, he's kind of a power forward type. 
who can also set up the offense as a point guard. You know, Jabari Parker can do a lot with the ball in his hands. So I think, you know, right now it looks like they're just going to forego the whole backup point guard thing and maybe just use it as a tool to get the ball in some other players' hands. Uh, they have one roster spot. I think they plan on leaving that open. Uh, so really not a lot of not a lot of uh, Trey Young-like players on the roster other than Trey Young. Yeah, that's true. Um, I want to I want to ask you this: with Jabari Parker signing the two-year, thirteen million dollar contract in the offseason, um, he was quoted. Of course, the famous quote from Jabari was, "I don't get paid to play defense." Um, that was an, uh, an old saying of his, but. Now he's kind of singing a different tune now that he's been kind of passed around the league a little bit. Now he says he wants to be a complete player and thinks he still can. What's your thoughts on the Hawks bringing in Jabari? Do you think he can make maybe not a career turnaround, but maybe um, live up to the hype that he had, especially since he got hurt, and maybe bounce back from that injury he had a few years ago? Um, I mean, you asked me before, you know, what was the – biggest move and I, and I think that's I mean I, I guess it kind of felt like a thing all along through the year that they were getting these draft picks and the draft picks were coming Jabari was kind of the one out of the blue surprise and so to me as somebody who's kind of close to the team and you know following them obsessively maybe if you will uh, that, that's, that just feels like such a big deal to me getting him at the price that they got him at uh you know, just feels a little bit like a steal. And, you know, I was looking today, I was like, okay, wait, how old is he? And, you know, Torian Prince was here for three years and he's now in Brooklyn, but Jabari Parker's actually, you know, two knee surgeries and all. He's actually a year younger than Torian Prince, even though he's been in the year, been in the NBA a couple of years longer. He started so young, he's, he's really a young basketball player who hasn't gotten necessarily a chance at doing something with consistency and repetition, repetition over the long term. Uh, yeah, that's true. He's got so much potential. Like it, he's a weird athlete in that, that I was, I mentioned this on my podcast the other day. Like usually when guys are athletic, they're just athletic and Parker has a weird mix of he doesn't have a whole lot of lateral quickness, but in terms of vertical burst, he's like stunning, like <laughs> like breathtaking. Like he can get up. Like some of those games he was playing for the Wizards at the end of the season last year it was like, oh wait a minute, there's you know, he's starting to figure it out a little bit. Like he he was a really good finisher at the rim for the Wizards uh, in the second half of last season, and he just he had a lot of vertical burst get a lot of dunks and you know if it's not a dunk he he's crafty at, at finishing and big and strong and you know he has great ups so in a weird way you know if you look around the eastern conference it's like who does he play like he plays a little bit like john collins uh who you know two years into his career with the hawks hasn't necessarily shown great lateral movement but my goodness you know when it comes to getting up athletically and vertically collins can do that you know in a breathtaking oh, yeah. manner. And, you know, I think that you're going to see Parker, not so much as a role man, but in a lot of other ways, he'll kind of fill in for John Collins and do a lot of the things that Collins does well. 
Yeah, uh, and that center position, Collins does a great job. He's a great rim protector, does a lot of little things uh, that people can't really measure, um, you know, with stats yeah, but per he se. Yeah, he's not really – he's only – the funny thing is, you know, two years into his career, first year didn't really play a lot of defense. Second year didn't really make his presence felt defensively until, like, the last two months of the season. And then it was like, oh, wait, maybe if you if you can do this, and, you know, he played mostly power forward, but, you know, a lot of power forward near the rim. And he wasn't really making an impact defensively at the rim. And the last couple of last couple of months of his second season was kind of, I don't want to say tease, but tease in the good sense, like you, you, you tease a movie preview or something. It's like, oh, if you can do that, you know, then he can be an all-star. But that's, you know, defensively he hasn't been great. But if he felt like he was doing the end of his second season, with what he can do on offense, he, he can be an all-star. Absolutely. Were you surprised that the Hawks let Omari Spellman uh, go in that trade with Damon Jones? Um, he was only there one year, but I felt like he had some potential to really grow in Atlanta given that time. Now he moves on to Golden State. Uh, were you surprised that Omari Spellman was traded? It's a little bit weird, and it's a little bit of like familiar company because the general manager Travis Schlenk was the assistant general manager with the Warriors uh, until he arrived in Atlanta, you know, a little over two years ago. So Damian Jones is somebody that essentially he, you know, was a big part of drafting when he was in Golden State. He knows Damian Jones well. Presumably, he was scouting Amari Spellman when he was at Golden State. And, of course, then he switched jobs and ended up in Atlanta, but still drafted him here in Atlanta. Um, and so it's like you know, these two teams know each other well and specifically know these players well and scouted these players, ended up trading two of them for each other. It's kind of weird. Um, I think Damian Jones can be a little bit like what Dwayne Denman was defensively. Uh, for the Hawks, you know, they don't really have a, a five-man on the roster who can – play all the types of pick and roll coverage that I think you want to be able to play. And they didn't have that since they get that in Damian Jones, but they give up in Spellman. You know, somebody who looked like he could do a little bit of everything on offense. He could handle the ball. He could pass. He had a three-point shot. He could finish at the rim. He didn't really have a great post-up game. You know, he was in the back-to-back center. I don't think he ever had to do that at Villanova. Um, But you know, he kind of looked like what you want a big man to look like offensively, you know, going into the, the 2020s. That's not so futuristic to say 2020s. But, you know, that's what big men are starting <laughs> to look like. You know, they're going to handle the ball. They're going to shoot threes. You know, they're going to get offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, and you're going to be a, a rim runner and, and do things up above the rim. And Spellman could do all of that. Um, you know, it's hard to figure out, you know, what, what – was the thing that they soured on? Was it his conditioning? He looked a little bit big in summer league, um, but you know he didn't really. Like he looked like he looked big at summer league, but he didn't look like big and hampered at summer league. Like he was still pretty explosive and did a lot of stuff. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know they get a future second round pick or something too. Um, yeah. But, you know it's it's these two players that they're both familiar with and they kind of contrasting styles. I think Jones is basically going to be a defensive player where Spellman's basically an offensive player. And, you know, 
I'm not really surprised they did it. I'm surprised they did it as early as they did it, just because they only really had one year of him, and he didn't get to play that much in his first year because of injury. So it, it felt a little bit early to give up on him, but at the same time, you know, you, um, they, they, these these two teams and these two players are certainly very familiar with each other, and I guess they all know what they're getting. Yeah. Um. Looking at, let me go back to Cam Reddish here. Uh, had a lot of hype going to Duke along with um, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson. Played well. I mean, he played okay at Duke. Maybe didn't live up to the hype, but somebody's got to be, you know, somebody's stats are going to drop, and, and his were the ones that did. And, and subsequently, he falls to you guys in the draft at number 10. And I, for me, I think it was a good pick, the Hawks grabbing him there. Do you think Cam Reddish can still become a major superstar in this league? Because he was highly recruited out of high school, had a lot of hype. Does he live up to that hype now once he gets to the NBA and has some time to grow with this young team, with this young core, playing with guys like Kevin Herter, Trey Young, uh, guys like that, and maybe even learning from uh, John Collins, Chandler Parsons, uh, Evan Turner, guys that have that experience and can teach him. Do you think he can become that next big star that you guys need, or is he just going to be one of those guys that never quite hits his potential? Um, I didn't get to see him much in summer league if he played at all. I'll be honest. I didn't get a chance to really check him out. What If you saw him, what did you think? Well, he didn't play in summer league, and I think that, that kind of ties the whole thing together in that you know I think at Duke it wasn't necessarily – a great fit in terms of the whole super team thing. Didn't have a lot of shooting. So they had a lot of guys who could do stuff with the ball in their hands, but not necessarily, you know, complement each other in that way. But he didn't play summer league because he was hurt. And I think it's an injury that lingered through last season. Uh, as far as what it was, I mean, I think it was reported as sort of a core muscles issue. I don't know if, if it was like a rib or a groin, uh, but you know, at the time of his press conference when he came to Atlanta, he said that he, you know, he felt terrific. Like he said it with like a sigh of relief, like I, I feel good now finally. Um, and he wasn't going to play in summer league, and I think he had like two or four weeks left uh, on his rehab at the time of his press conference after he got drafted. So it was so, summer league was too early for him, but. I think he'll have still plenty of time this off season. I don't think it's like a big rehab for the the issue that he had. It was just a matter of, you know, a few, a few weeks of rehab. And, and now, you know, going into later July, August, September, he can do the same sorts of things that uh, his teammates will do to get ready for the season. And, you know, it, it's, it's an open book. Um, you know, the Hawks don't have a ton of high draft picks on their roster. I mean, I guess Jabari Parker was a number two overall pick. Uh, he's probably the highest draftee and then Trey Young at five. And then, you know, a lot of guys that were drafted either super late lottery or out of the lottery. Uh, Collins was at 19, Hurd is at 19. Hunter at number four just feels like sort of a very strong role player. And, and Reddish at 10, he feels more like a swing for the fence. Like if it turns out right, you know, people will say, well, why didn't you take him at four and Hunter at 10 or something like that? But, you know, he, he has that kind of potential. And, you know, with having somebody like Hunter in the fold um, and Herter too, you know, it was time to take 
a risk on a on a high ceiling lower floor player. Yeah, and Hunter is listed at six seven, and again we're going back to these gosh so forward heavy. When this season starts, who who's the starting small forward? I mean, technically you could have it close to four to five on this roster. Chandler Parsons, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, uh, DeAndre Hunter could play that position. You, I mean, you could even play Cam Reddish there. Kevin Herter is big enough to play the position. Uh, I think he's more of a two, though. Maybe you play Reddish more at the four, but, I mean, who's the starter in this whole big small forward forward mess here? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, last year, last year was a mess at the beginning of the season. I think, you know, part of the reason that the Hawks kind of crept on people later in this season is that they were such a mess at the beginning because of injury. Uh, Dwayne Debman was hurt. Uh, Trey Young was hurt for a little bit. Um, you know, and especially John Collins, they missed him so much at the beginning of last season, you know, barring injury. It's it's really hard to say. I mean, I kind of want to, I think Deandre Hunter is going to see some time at power forward, but, he might also just be sort of the big starting small forward. And I think for me, I would probably try, you know, Trey on Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, you know, Collins and Alex Len, but there's just a lot of different ways you can go. And really the more interesting question will be, you know, if you're in close games early that first month, you know, what kind of lineups do you close with? If you put John Collins at center, because I think that's something that they'll do. I mean, I think he'll start at power forward a lot of games, but finish at center. You know, th- then how do you fill in that extra wing player? But for me, I, I think you know DeAndre Hunter is going to get a crack at it. Like I said before, I think Cam Reddish. You know, some of his minutes will come with Trey Young on the bench, so that he can get the ball more in his hands and see what he can do as a playmaker. Um, and I and I think that might also take him a little bit away from the starting role. So I, I would go with Hunter. And, you know, we got to see Hunter at Summer League a little bit, uh, and we didn't get to see Reddish. So it, it's really hard to say, but I, I think that's kind of his role is to be that big, that big yeah. forward, um, you know, in the, in the Kawhi, Paul George type. You know, it's so hard to find the guys that can guard those types. And I, yeah. I think, you know, the Hawks took that shot on him early in the lottery because they wanted a player that they can do that kind of thing. And I, you know, one of the things that Lloyd Pierce said a lot about Trey Young last year was, you know, he didn't want to hide him from point guards. I think there was one game against Russell Westbrook where they just said, you know what? Yeah. You you, you can't really guard Westbrook, but with all the other point guards, they're like, we want you out there, Trey Young to learn what these other point guards do and get that experience under your belt. And I think they'll want Hunter to do that in the, in sort of a big forward role. You get that experience of guarding the players, uh, you know, the Kawhis and the Paul Georges and the big guys that, that not a lot of players in the league can guard. One last thing, and then we'll let you go. And I appreciate you giving us so much of your time. But one question I have is Chandler Parsons, kind of a um, up and down type of career for him. Played really well in Dallas. Uh, not exactly what you wanted to see from him in Memphis, but do you think he's going to have a, a way here in Atlanta to maybe revitalize his career and come back and be the Chandler Parsons of old? It's tricky. <laughs> he's, he's one of those play, 
players that you see him. I mean, if you're around NBA players, it's like, yeah, they're all big. But he's one of those players that, like, you see him in person, like, oh, wait, NBA players are really, really big. Like, he's, you know, you think of him as, like, being this guy out on the perimeter shooting three, but he's, like, a legitimate six foot ten. And so I think he's kind of suited, especially, you know, at this point in his career to be a power forward. But that's just the position that the Hawks have a lot of depth at right now. Um, you know, Collins is going to get so many minutes there. Jabari Parker is going to get so many minutes there. I think the part of the motivation for that trade uh, was that they could send out two contracts and get just one back. Um, you know, they sent out Plumley. Who else? They sent somebody else out with Plumley. They sent two. Oh, uh, Solomon Hill. Baysmore? From New Orleans. Or Solomon Hill. Okay. No, it was Solomon yeah, Hill. Was so they had, yeah, Solomon, I forget, they had Solomon I Hill forgot and Miles Plumley. Yeah, that was part of the whole New Orleans thing that got the DeAndre Hunter pick. So Solomon Hill was on the roster. And so they had Solomon Hill and Miles Plumley, which was, you know, two big contracts up over $10 million each you know, taking up two roster spots. And in trading for Parsons, they could get one even bigger contract uh, that was roughly almost the same size as the two separate ones uh, for Solomon Hill and Plumley. So I think part of it was just a contractual thing, and they wanted to get an open roster spot by trading for a two-for-one. And these were all three contracts that expired at the end of the upcoming season. So it was there was no difference in terms of long-term money. It was just short-term money. Uh, you know, two for one. And so they get a roster spot. And I think that was the biggest part of the motivation for that particular deal. Um, I'm sure they did their homework and they know that he's a guy that they like to have in the locker room. Uh, and I think another thing was uh, sometime around July one, someone reported that you know, he went to Germany and, and did like, you know, special blood therapy or whatever it is on his knee, um, some kind of treatment on it. So you don't really even know, like, you know, what kind of health he'll have. I mean, I think he'll get a crack at some point uh, at, at being a rotation player, you know, due to injury or, you know, just, it seems like every guy gets an opportunity if he's worthy of it. But, you know, just because of health and because of the depth above him, I think it's going to be kind of a long haul. Yeah, I understand completely. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for jumping on here and talking Atlanta Hawks with us and uh, breaking down a lot of their moves that they made here this off season. Uh, and really kind of giving us what we can expect coming forward from. They're going to be a fun team to watch, I think, this season. All that young talent, all those uh, young pieces coming together could make for a very interesting team. Won't you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and find you at on, on Twitter and where your writings go and all that? Uh, I'm on Twitter as, as uh, KL, which is my first two initials, and then that last name, Chouinard, which is C-H-O-U-I-N-A-R-D. And uh, I write at Hawks.com, and I have a podcast called ATL in 29, which is actually uh, run through Peachtree Hoops, which is the SB Nation site for the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, if you go to Peachtree Hoops, you can see the podcast there. Awesome. We do appreciate you for jumping on here and breaking down the Hawks for us, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on here eventually. We'll talk some more Atlanta Hawks and uh, get a little uh, update on them and see where they go once the season gets rolling. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. All right, thank you. you too, man. Thank you. Well, that was Kevin Chenard jumping on, giving us the Hawks rundown. A lot of stuff to talk about with the Atlanta Hawks there. But, Tim, you had some breaking news, did you not, from the great city of Denver? Yes, Jamal Murray. 
five years, $170 million extension. Uh, it's safe to say that the drinks are on Jamal here over the next say, couple of days. Uh, that, that, do you find that to be a little bit interesting, or is it just me? No, no, I, I don't. I think that's a solid move. That's their guy. He, he and Nurkic are going to be there, or not Nurkic, excuse me, him and Jokic are going to be their pieces for the future. That's their point guard of the future, Jamal Murray. And um, I would like to take this moment to say that the Minnesota Timberwolves passed on Jamal Murray. Um, I remember that well. Uh, we decided well, to go one, elsewhere. Just one of many, Nate. One oh, buddy, don't get, don't get me started. Um, I'm actually I'm going to make myself feel bad. I'm going to go ahead and look up. And also, Jamal Murray, by the way, Canadian. So uh, the Canadian getting paid that, that 170 um, million is uh what that would be well, three cents you know that's another that's like 210 million or so in canadian money yeah that's canadian money it's weird uh Good on him. <laughs> at least it, it's weird to me damn it i can't figure it spend out spend our but, money while we drive those kilometers <laughs> the key the kilometers <laughs> nice the kilometers uh, I'm actually going to look here at the NBA draft that year just to make myself mad. Oh, yeah, I remember who we took. Chris Dunn uh, instead of Jamal Murray. So, yeah. Well, uh, actually, move. Dunn, we traded Dunn in that deal with uh, with Jimmy Butler. So, you know, we probably would have traded Murray, too, to get Butler at that time. So, water under the bridge. Deck. I actually like I like Chris Dunn, so I'm not going to say anything bad yeah, about no, him. I, think, I, got, I got nothing about Chris Dunn. I meant if Jimmy he would have stayed, if he would have stayed, I think he would have developed nicely into a good point guard for us. But you never know. All right. Uh, well, Tim, we got one more thing to get to here, and that is oh. we had a very very nice interview with our man from down in Orlando, Philip Rossman Wright from Orlando Magic Daily, and we talk about the Orlando Magic. Uh, and that was a fun conversation. Let's go ahead and we'll go to that. What do you say, Tim? Roll the tape. Well, joining us now here on the Wide Men Can't Jump, he should have his own entrance music here for the show. He's been on so much. Our man... Covering the Orlando Magic, the site expert and editor at Orlando Magic Daily and host of the Locked on Magic podcast from Orlando, Florida, Philip Rothman Wright. Phil, thank you for coming back on the show with us. Always happy to be here. Just just looking to get a reaction today. <laughs> nice. Uh, Phil, we're getting into this Orlando Magic interview, a peek behind the curtain. We've been talking wrestling for like 20 minutes now, so we're... <laughs> but we're jumping in here on the Orlando Magic here and uh, kind of a quiet off season for the Magic in most of retrospects. What's been, other than the draft move of drafting Chumo Kiki, what was possibly your favorite Orlando draft move this off season uh, that may help them become better player, better contenders in the East? I mean, I, I think the Magic's approach this year was really to kind of let the season marinate a little bit. Um, Orlando actually had either the youngest or the second youngest starting lineup of any team that made the playoffs last year. Um, and so I think the, the thinking here for Orlando was, you know, we're not at the end of our road. Um, making the playoffs wasn't, you know, kind of the, the culmination of, you know, a six-year rebuild. 
they really think that they're at the beginning of something that, you know, someone like Aaron Gordon or who's 23 years old or Jonathan Isaac, who's 21 or Mo Bamba, who's 21, or, you know, even Markel Fultz coming off the bench at, at 20, 21 years old, that those guys are going to take another step forward. And so you add them and, and keep your veterans together uh, in Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross specifically, um, that you're going to be able to take another step, um, that you're going to be able to go from, you know, a 42 win team that just sneaks into the playoffs to, a 45-46 win team that's, you know, fighting maybe for home court advantage or, you know, has a chance to maybe score an upset and get out of the first round. And so I think the Magic's decision here was really let's let this marinate with what we have. We, we don't want to take another step back. We don't want to be back in the lottery ringer. We know this team can win. We can hold them to that expectation. Let's run it back and, and see just how much better we can be. Um, the big addition, you know, I guess the big addition in relative terms was adding Al Farouk Aminu, who's going to give this team a lot more depth off the bench, uh, another starter caliber player who can play if someone gets hurt or, or if they need it in a pinch. Um, and so, you know, I think Orlando kind of did some work to, to shore up their depth a little bit, but mostly keep this roster intact intact, and, and try and do it again. Were you surprised by them signing Vucevic long-term like they did because I know a lot of people were speculating that we'd seen the last of Nikola Vucevic playing for the Orlando Magic and that maybe they wanted to get younger uh, at that position but were you surprised to see him re-sign there and ink long-term with the Magic? Yeah you know I was I was a little bit surprised with, with the, a contract the Magic signed Nikola Vucevic for it's essentially it's a 100 million dollar contract over four years it, it, it averages out to 25 per year but it's it's going to be front loaded so you'll get paid I think 28 million uh, this coming season I, I was definitely a little surprised by that I, I am in in among Magic fans I am an optimist about Nikola Vucevic I, I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, and, but I, even I don't think I would have gone over 23 over three. Um, you know, and so I think that he got a little bit more than I was anticipating, but I think the market kind of showed itself that that's how much it was going to cost to keep uh, Nikola Vucevic. Um, you know, there's rumors going around that he was going to demand a $25 million a year contract, and what do you know, Al Horford got, you know, essentially the same amount. So I think other teams were kind of in the running for Vucevic, and, and the Magic just kind of said, we need this guy to keep to make the playoffs. Mo Bamba isn't ready to start, and there aren't any really better options out there on the market that we're willing to go out and get. If, if you're not willing to sign Nikola Vucevic to a four-year contract, who else are you going to sign that, that's out there on the market that's, that's any better? Um, I think Orlando kind of came to the realization that this was their best option, and there wasn't any real reason to change. Um, do you think Vucevic, you know, the you said the market kind of showed itself there. Um with Vucevic coming back now, is he more in a win-now mode, or do you think he, as a player, is going to be in more of a let-me-teach, let-me-help, all while I'm grooming these guys, and then when I get close to the end of this contract, that's when we can finally really make our move to be a great team? You know, I, I think I think it's very much going to be played by ear. Um, I, I think that Orlando by making the signings that they've made because, you know, Orlando is essentially a tax team. They're, they're not in the tax, but they're right beneath it. I mean, they, they really can't make too many other moves or they'll be over the tax, and, and the Magic don't want to pay the tax. They, they've made a lot of maneuvering uh, to stay under the tax line before the season begins, and, and I think they'll continue to do that as the season goes on, unless they surprise everyone and they're really, really good, and then they're willing to go out and maybe get that last piece to – 
to, to send them over the top a little bit more. Um, but, but I think that the idea is the Magic can win now. They, they are, you know, the season that's coming up is going to be judged solely on wins and losses. Are they a better team than they were last year? Are they, going to be, are they in the playoffs? That's going to be ultimately what we judge the season on. But at the same time, the Magic, I don't think, have given up on the idea that they're developing guys. Um, they're not going to hand the starting position to Mo Bamba. They're not going to just give it to him because he's the high draft pick. He's going to have to earn it. And when he's clearly ready to start, the Magic will probably start shopping Nikola Vucevic and his contract is set up to allow them to do that, especially if he stays productive. And so I think that's kind of the idea is we can keep developing guys, but we can also win now. They can have their cake and eat it too. Tim, go ahead. Uh, let's talk about uh, Mr. Fultz for a moment. Um, I was just reading that they still aren't really sure if he's going to see the court or when. Um, how much longer do they invest their time and money in this guy, or do they just wait? You know, I think I think the idea now is is they're, they're, they're being very coy with the public. Um, you know, I, I think that they don't want to set a timetable or set any unrealistic expectations on him. They want him to come back, and when he is back, to be back for good. They don't want to start and stop. They don't want him to be playing for a week, you know, feel some pain, feel, you know, not be able to play for another two, three weeks, and then come back, play for a week, and have the same trouble. They want a permanent solution before he steps out onto the court. Now, how close is he really to, to being to that point? That's the part the Magic aren't letting letting go. So they're they're not publicly putting a timetable, but I do suspect that the Magic have a better idea of where Markel Fultz is at in his recovery than anyone else, and, and they're just kind of playing it close to the best. Um, I, I do think that the expectation, though, is that he will play at some point in the coming season. He does have a team option on, on his contract for 2021, um, I would imagine the Magic expect to pick that up, um, but if he's really not close at all, they could easily let that go and 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 kind of make this a uh, do or die season for Fultz or turn him into free agency if if he's not really ready. Um, I, personally, I'm a Fultz optimist. Um, I, I think that you know when he left Philadelphia, the issue was merely pain. Um, he was still in a few, still a you know relatively effective player outside of his shooting. He was still able to do things on the court, um, but their pain was too much or, or, or he just didn't feel comfortable on the court. And so now it's really been about rehabbing and getting himself comfortable. But I've always, I, I've, I've kind of come under the belief and maybe this is mistaken that if the magic told him, we need you to play tomorrow, he'd be able to play tomorrow. Um, the, the issue now is he hasn't played five on five basketball in a very long time. Steve Clifford said on one of the broadcasts at summer league that Fultz is not ready for five on five basketball. That was one of the reasons he wasn't at summer league, wasn't on the summer league roster. Um, and so we don't really know how close he is to getting there. But all indications are that he is working extremely hard, that the Magic are pleased with his progress and with his approach to this, and they're going to stay patient, and they know they have until training camp to really kind of, kind of put the screw – you know, they, they have until training camp before there's really any big questions or decisions that have to be made perhaps. Um, but, you know, obviously they are not putting a timetable on that either. So if he's not ready for training camp, they're going to give him whatever time he needs, and we'll see how long, how long they stay patient with that. Would you lend any credence to the theory that a lot of his problem may also be that his game is just uh, messed up and it's mental? But yeah, he, know, has I, an, I think, he has an injury, but that there's some of it has got to be mental by this point. 
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think that 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 there's that there's something to that. Um, you know, I, I think people who think that he has the yips um, are really only telling half the story. Um, I do think that there is something physically wrong with him, and and I think that you know, as, as any young person would, especially someone who's kind of built his entire life around doing something physical, that probably scared him a little bit. And and I think he's someone who wants to play and wants to kind of live up to the expectations that that are set for him. And he struggled a lot with that, and he, and he, and he, and he struggled with it. And the, the injury he had specifically causes pain um, when, you're, when you're shooting the ball, when you're lifting your arms above your head, when you're, when you're trying to, to do simple basketball motions. And so, you know, I think that there, you know, there was a little bit of doubt and, and a seed of, of fear that went into that. If, if I go up for a shot, if I try and shoot a free throw, am I going to feel this, this pain, this searing pain? And, you know, as Foles described it, this injury kind of comes and goes. Um, there'll be some, some weeks where you feel fine, and then all of a sudden it just hits you, and, and there's nothing you can do, and you're just kind of lock, locked up a little bit. Um, and so I think that that definitely had an effect on his mentality, and I think as much as anything else, and, and not only that, you know, I think you know, his trainers, his, 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 the Philadelphia 76ers, I think people were kind of telling him that so there isn't anything physically wrong with you that we can find. Um, and so I think that kind of played into it a little bit too, because he wasn't feeling fine, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think, again, I, I, I think that, I think that, that there's a lot of kind of mis- there was a lot of mistrust built between the Sixers and Fultz at the end of the day. And so I think that, you know, right now it is as much about getting Fultz physically healthy as it is him being confident in his body, in his body again, and, and, and kind of getting confidence in himself again. So I do, I do think, that that is part of the equation and part of what the Magic are trying to build or what Fultz is trying to build in himself as he rehabs. Well, we were pretty big. We were pretty harsh on Fultz on this show. Um, but I'm starting to wonder after what I see. <laughs> we were? We yeah, were harsh little, on Fultz? Just a, just, a, just a little bit. Eh? Um, I'm starting to wonder with what were. I see in uh, Philadelphia. Well, I don't know. I'm, let me finish. I think with what I'm starting to see in Philadelphia, though, is I'm starting to wonder how much they're responsible for botching this thing from the get-go? You know, I, I think that, you know, I, I really don't think anyone is really at fault with the, at fault for this. Um, th- thoracic outlet syndrome, from, from everything that I've read about it and, and, and have heard about it from, from both the magic, from, from Marco Foltz himself, and kind of just reading about what, what happened, thoracic outlet syndrome is very difficult to diagnose. It, it really is very, very rare among NBA players. There are NBA players who have had it, um, there, there aren't, but it's so rare that, you know, it's, you know, we're counting on kind of one hand, the number of confirmed cases of this specific injury that Marco Fultz has. Um, so, it, you know, I don't think the Sixers were necessarily at fault for, uh, for missing it. Um, well, I think that they okay, were also let, under pressure to win. Right. Let, let me rephrase. Maybe not so much sure, that, sure. They mis- that they misdiagnosed him, but that there was rumblings that there was very early on that there was nothing wrong with him. You know that it was that there was something else. Like they blamed it on that, what is his agent or the uncle or whatever it was. Um, that that they could have gave him a little bit more time, maybe than what they were willing to give him. Yeah, and I think that's that's certainly part of the case. I think that's potentially part of the case. And you know, I, I've heard stories as well around the league of of team doctors, and I, and I do think that this is an issue. This is an issue around the league that you know team doctors work for the team. Their job is to kind of you know, is to take care of players and, and to be good medical professionals there, but they're also beholden to the team. And, if, and, 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 you know, if a player says, I want to play, 
it's in the team's interest to, to kind of get good players out there too. And, and, you know, it's, you know, I've heard stories about this from, from several different teams of guys who push to play and the team kind of relents and lets them do it. I mean, we're just coming off an NBA finals where a lot of people felt like Kevin Durant was faking an injury and that wasn't the case. He was really hurt and he was trying his best to come back and they finally let him play. And 12 minutes into, into playing, he, you know, ruptures, he, you know, ruptures his Achilles and has, you know, one of the most, most serious injuries you can have on a basketball court. And who's to say whether that's connected or not, but, you know, I think there's a lot of kind of renewed attention on this idea. And, and I would always say, and, and I've, I've heard of players, in fact, being kind of mocked for seeking their own doctors, for going out and getting second opinion. You know, getting your own doctor, getting someone who is beholden to you and you alone is kind of a good decision, especially if, you know, your body is the most important thing. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I've heard stories about Dwight Howard as well, like, when Dwight Howard originally got hurt with the magic, the, the story that I was told that I've been told is when he was hurt with the magic originally, they said, you know, rest for two weeks and we'll reevaluate you. You know, he rested for a couple of weeks, came back, played a little bit and his back got worse. He went out and found his own doctor. And apparently his doctors, you know, from, from, from what I read told him, this is the worst kind of this injury I've ever, I've seen. You need, you, you need to shut down completely and go and go into surgery. And that back injury, changed Dwight Howard's career. I mean, Dwight Howard is a, is a Hall of Famer no matter what, but, you know, he was on track to be one of the best centers of, of all time. I know people kind of don't like Dwight's personality, but you look at the numbers and you look at the impact that he was having in games with Orlando, he was on track to be one of the very best players in this league's history, and that back injury kind of sapped him of a lot of his athleticism and kind of tarnished him in a lot of ways. Um, it, and, 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 and honestly, I think that essentially ended his relationship with the Magic because he lost all trust with the Magic at that point. So you, I think you can, you can point to a whole bunch of teams where stuff like this happens again and again and again and again. And so, you know, I would always say players should always seek their own doctors and, and kind of trust that advice as much as, you know, what the team is telling them. Speaking, you know, and you look at the Magic, they've kind of, They've got a lot of young pieces and talent that are are built to be great talents in the league. You brought up uh, Mo Bamba earlier. Um, he he kind of had a little bit of an injury bug last year, um, but even guys like Jonathan Isaacs, uh, who I'm you know, I still like him. I still like his potential. He's still young. I think he can still develop into something special. But then they go out and they draft Chuma Okiki out of Auburn. Anybody that knows that Auburn team, they made it all the way to the NCAA tournament finals this year. And Chuma Okiki was, but he was a leader for that team. He was the straw that stirred the drink for the Auburn Tigers. And he was probably easily an early lottery pick. If he stays healthy, he's coming off that. I believe it was a torn ACL. Do the magic anticipate him seeing the court any time at all this year? Is this going to be basically a red shirt year for Chuma Okiki? That, that is the great mystery right now. Um, Chuma Okiki is actually the only first round pick who has yet to sign a contract. Um, he has not actually signed his contract with the Orlando magic. And I'm beginning to suspect, um, I don't know if this is true. And I, I don't think I would do this if I were the magic, but I'm beginning to suspect that the magic may be turning him into a, a domestic draft and stash. And having him having him play the entire year in Lakeland rather than have any 
you know, chance of making the Mavericks roster. Um, I would I would put it this way with with Okiki as far as 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 the 2020 season. The Magic with Jonathan Isaac and with Mo Bamba played their injuries incredibly slowly. Um, Jonathan Isaac had a sprained ankle maybe 20 games into last season. Came back once. Came back after about 10 games. Um, aggravated the ankle again and then sat out the next 40, 50 games. Um, and it was a sprained ankle, most common injury in, in, in basketball. Uh, and, and really that was just about kind of making sure he was 100% healthy and, and using that time to add strength to his, add strength to his, to his frame because he's obviously pretty, pretty thin. Um, but Orlando has kind of taken this approach with their, with their rookies when they get injured like this, that they're going to just devote time to adding strength and getting them 100% healthy. Um, and I think that's going to go double now that Magic are kind of in this win-now mode. They're, they're not trying to play for the lottery. They're not trying to make sure their young guys get, get chances. They're trying to win games. And so no matter what, you know, even if Okiki's back in January or February, I think that he'll spend more time in Lakeland playing than playing with the main roster. And, and I think that that's kind of the idea is that you know, we can afford to give Okiki a, a sort of redshirt year. And, and, and the Magic have been perfectly fine doing that with a lot of their young guys uh, over the last couple of years. So, you know, I, I think the expectations for Okiki to contribute in his rookie year are, were, would be pretty low, even, even if he didn't have a torn ACL. Um, I think there's, it's certainly pretty, pretty low chance that he'll play very much for the Magic this coming season. And you talked about Mo Bamba earlier. Um, this sophomore season for him – I think it's going to be a, a tail year, especially if he stays healthy. It's going to be interesting to see what he does because I thought Mo Bamba, along with Mitchell Robinson, would be two game changers. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson turned into a great player defensively, especially. I think Mo Bamba still has that potential, and I'm still sold on Mo Bamba. I still think Mo Bamba is going to end up being a great player. Is it is it going to be a year for him if he stays healthy where the Magic are kind of they're waiting for him to become that great center a la Orlando Magic Dwight Howard. And if in if nobody out there watched Dwight Howard with the Magic, it was a sight to behold. Um as a guy who who paid very close attention to that team. Um a team I love to root for was that Magic team because my man, Rashad Lewis, was on that team. Uh, I was a big fan of him. So Hito Turgaloo and the boys, you know, it was hard for me not to root for that team, but Dwight Howard was special with the Magic, and I think if if he beefs up a little bit and stays injury free, I think Mo Bamba can be. Uh, what, what what are we looking at for Mo Bamba expectation wise this year? Yeah, you know, I think I think the expectation is that Mo Bamba is going to fill in as the backup center, and, and if needed, you know, kind of start in a, in a pinch. I mean, I, I think the Magic want to see him take another step in his in his growth, and and really, you know, the big thing with that is is showing a lot more discipline defensively. Um, I think the Magic are very comfortable using Bamba in pick and pops and, and, and hopefully pretty soon picking rolls and rim runs on offense. They're not going to run a lot of offense through him and, and for him, um, but he can still contribute on that end. But I think the big thing the Magic want to see is, is defensive growth. Um, last year, his defense, you know, while he blocked a lot of shots, um, was definitely a little bit lacking. I mean, you, you could tell that the game was still a little fast for him. He wasn't quite sure how to assert himself, but I would honestly argue before he got hurt last year, he was starting to make progress on that end. And what I was really encouraged by in summer league is it looked like he kind of picked up right where he left off. Um, but that means he's still got a long way to go. Um, he still jumps. He still jumps a lot on pump fakes. He's trying to block everything. And sometimes you just need a good contest. 
Well, Philip, one more question for you before we let you go. Um, I want to ask you about what you think the Orlando Magic are going to do this season. Obviously, they've still got some great players. They add Alpha Rukaminu. They did lose Dwayne Dedman. Uh, the Sacramento Kings paid him, in they my lost opinion, several years ago, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the Kings lost. <laughs> the Kings paid him a lot of money, uh, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> maybe more than what I would have paid him. But uh, still got Fournier. Still got Terrence Ross. Um, the point guard situation is a sticky one, but you know you deal with that. Aaron Gordon's still there. What do you see for this Magic team? What's your thoughts? If you had to predict, don't you don't have to give me a number if you don't want to, but what's your expectations for this year? Do you think they stay about the same, or with the Eastern Conference being kind of down, a lot of talent left, do you think they can move up a little bit? Maybe get maybe fight for that fourth seed in the playoffs. You know, there, there's there's always one team that surprises everyone um, that either you know climbs up you know, faster than, than everyone thinks or, or you know, uh, from, from within the playoffs or, or comes from out of the playoffs and, and surprises everyone. Magic obviously one of those teams last year. Um, and I think, or, you know, I think what's, what's really interesting about this Magic team is the range of results are really wide. Could I see this team flirting with 50 wins and being a, like a five or six seed and a comfortable five or six seed? Uh, and making the playoffs with you know relative ease and, and, and really having a chance to get out of the first round, I absolutely can see that from this team because you know that means Aaron Gordon made a, made a big step in his in his career. It means Jonathan Isaac made a pretty big step. It means Evan Fournier kind of came back to to the way we're used to seeing Evan Fournier play. It, it probably even means Markel Fultz um, contributed something to this team in some way. And, and I think all those things are are very possible. But I think it's also possible that this team takes a, a huge step back, you know, maybe going back to a 35, 34, 33-win team um, because, you know, Nikola Vucevic didn't have an all-star season or, or, or someone got, got hurt and missed a lot of time and the Magic couldn't rally. Or, you know, Marco Fultz d- never comes back, doesn't give them anything. Or, you know, Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac kind of stagnate a little bit. Or Terrence Ross comes back to earth. And all these things are, are very, very possible. And certainly, you know, Steve Clifford coached teams of, you know, I, I hate to say this about him, um, but his teams in Charlotte kind of hit hit a wall a little bit. They 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 had that big breakthrough in their first year, uh, and then they didn't really recover. They kind of stayed in that mid 30s area. They got to the playoffs one more time, but they they really kind of stagnated. And, I, and I've been trying to tell Magic fans a lot that that progress isn't always linear. So even if you take a little bit of a step back, even if you kind of seem like you're stagnating a little bit, that that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Now. Um, like I said before, this team is playoffs or bust. They have to make the playoffs. That is the only measure of success for this season. If, if, if you miss the playoffs this year, the season is undoubtedly a failure, and, and you do have to start making some decisions and think about, okay, how do we really make this team better? You can't just you know, keep bringing the same team back and expecting different results. But um, th- this team could really be anywhere. They, they, could, they could be a, a surprise team that – fights for home court advantage. They could be a team that's scratching and clawing to make the playoffs, or they could be a team that's back in the lottery very, very easily. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to say what kind of team this, this group is going to be. Um, it, it's it's going to be just as interesting for me to watch this team as, as everyone else when, when the season starts in October. I'll say this. Terrence Ross will, if he comes back down to earth or not, he will undoubtedly be a Minnesota Timberwolf killer like he has been Ever since I've seen him play. As a T-Wolves fan, I hate to see that guy 
on the other side of the court when my wolves are playing. Good Lord, every time he torches them. But nevertheless, uh, Tim, you have any other questions for Phil before we let him go? I think I'll just wrap it up by saying at the very least, the team's going to be interesting to watch this year because there's so many possibilities of what could happen there. Yeah, yeah I agree. No, I, I, think, I think that it'll be another interesting season. <laughs> it, it, it won't be boring. They'll no, be one of the teams that I've got my. They'll be one of the teams I've got my league pass queued on this year when I'm watching. Uh, I like to try to watch young teams develop, and that'll be a fun one to watch, especially since I, I really do like Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba and, and guys like that. And I'd like to see how they develop. But Philip, again, you're one of the the favorite guests of us here on the show. You've been on, I believe, more than any other guest we've ever had. I've lost count. Your title reigns on this show match Ravens hardcore title reigns in WWE. So that's how many times you've been on this show. But we love having you on because you bring so much insight and you really key us in on the Orlando Magic. And we do appreciate you for coming on and let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and your work that you do for the Magic. Yeah, the best the best place to find my work is over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We will still be punching out content here in the dead parts of the season. Um, so, so a lot of things going going on, um, and, and we'll talk some some magic history as well, which is which is a favorite subject of mine. Um, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Philip R R underscore O M D. That's P H I L I P R R underscore O M D. Well, thanks again, Philip, and we hope to have you back real soon when the season gets rolling, and we'll talk some more Orlando Magic and uh, you know some more pro wrestling too, because that's the thing we like to do. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Anytime, guys. And that was our conversation with Philip Rossman Wright from Orlando Magic Daily. And, Tim, it has been a jam-packed two hours. I want to thank again our guest, Chris Walder from up in Canada, Kevin Chenard from the Atlanta Hawks, and from Orlando Magic Daily, Philip Rossman Wright. Thanks again to all of our sponsors, Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, cambay.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets. Stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMAN to save 10% on your order and to get a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. So make sure you check out and support all of our sponsors. Without them, we couldn't have this show. So, Tim, jam-packed show this week, and next week we're going to be just as busy. Brian Fonseca will be joining us next week if all goes according to plan. And uh, who knows, be on the lookout the Sunday Night Roundtable may make a staggering return this week, as we haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah, well, we need to get back to it. There's a lot of news there for the Roundtable. You're going to hear a little bit oh. of it here in a minute. I've got an update for you. Oh, okay. Well, I do want to bring up that uh, you should check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash jump. We've got our interviews up with Jimmy Jacobs and with Jack Doan, and we're going to be adding our interview with Dan Severn and Bobby Blaze, talking about their NWA heavyweight title matches. We'll be adding those up very soon. Um, it's been released on the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast. If you haven't heard it there, go check it out. But we're going to have it on our Patreon page as well. Go over and subscribe. It's as low as 2 bucks a month. Uh, you can't beat that at all. So go check it out, patreon.com slash widemencantjump. Got some stuff. I'm going to try and get some stuff up on widemencantjump.com soon. 
uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. I know it's been a busy time, so I'm going to try and get it over there and get some stuff up on that as well. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We're available on Google Play, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, trying to get Apple Podcasts straightened up. Uh, hope to have that fixed here soon. Uh, we're available anywhere you find podcasts, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, or at WideMenCan'tJump.com. You can access us there. Um, Tim, anything you – oh, follow us at WideJump on Twitter. Our Twitter's been growing steadily lately, so go ahead and give us a follow at WideJump. He's at Tileman68. I am at MMITM. Nathan, go ahead. Check us out. Give us a follow. And uh, leave a review of the shows if you want. We love seeing the reviews. Ed Bogus does it every week. We thank him for that. Um, so go check it out here during the dead part of the season. Talk to us a little bit. And uh, we do appreciate all you guys that listen. We're in over 40 countries, almost every state here in the United States. We're all over Canada. So thank you guys so much for making this show a success. We really appreciate you. And our numbers just keep growing and growing. So thank you so much. Uh, share the show with your friends. Let everybody know what's going on here with Wide Men Can't Jump as we inch closer to our 100th episode. We are only now 11 weeks away. Tim, anything you want to add? I do, but are we done before I do it? Uh, well, the, let's go. This is going to be the closer. We have to leave okay. for, this, for this to happen. So, and you should pay attention because apparently we're a part of this. I'm not sure. Oh, we are. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, are you ready? I'll switch it over. Go we're ahead. Gonna go, we're going to go live to Clifton Heights, Pennsylvania via satellite. So Uh-oh. here we go. Uh, good evening, everyone. Welcome. Uh, I know this is a bit of an impromptu press conference, but uh, we felt that uh, we had to address the uh, situation. Uh, at the podium um, will be Baby Robinson, <laughs> who, uh, of course, has – Taken legal action, uh, has changed his last name to Faults, will now be known <laughs> as Baby Faults. Um, and uh, as uh, Baby doesn't speak very good English, we're going to translate. Uh, uh, she she had, had a statement, and uh, we'll just give it to you and uh, we'll break it down point by point. Uh, first off, uh, Baby would like it to be known that uh, he will no longer be uh, responsible for. Uh, any debts of a one Tom Robinson, uh, cell, cell phones, uh, bar tabs, uh, co cookers, blue pills. Baby's not really sure what the blue pills are. Um, and something about, uh, Tom, you look ridiculous in that fucking coat. I don't know what that's about. Uh, second, uh, baby would also like it to be known that, uh, he is now the sole owner of the palatial, Palace in Clifton Heights, and that he's got a restraining order against one Tom Robinson. Uh, don't come within two miles of this house unless you are have brought very many tasty kibbles. Then we'll talk. Uh, three, uh, baby is suing Tom Robinson for libel and slander uh, for his <laughs> accusations that baby is afraid of rats and is a cock blocker. Uh, baby maintains. <laughs> that at no time did he ever attempt to keep Tom Robinson from engaging in any personal activities in his <laughs> home. Uh, number number four, baby would like it known that uh, he will be suing Tom Robinson uh, for any residuals or any monies that may be owed Tom. Um, he's got a lien on uh, Tom's 1962 Ford F-150. Uh, <laughs> 
and uh, any other assets that he may find that uh, Tom has procured since he left the uh, since he left the palace. Uh, Sixty-two. To wrap up, in, in, in summation, won't pay any more bills. You owe me money. Oh, number five, keep that fat fucking kid of yours away from my house. Uh, he's not. Little TR, you're not allowed back at the palace either. Your coat's ugly. You look funny. I don't like you. Give me money. Fuck you all. 62-4. What a joke. Uh, that's it from uh, Clifton Heights. Uh, good evening. Thanks for listening, everybody. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideMeanCanJump.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Men Radio Network.